This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Blue Wire. Welcome into Browns Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns, writer for the OBR and writer for Cleveland.com, coming at you guys here on Thursday night. After week three of OTAs, feeling a little bit under the weather, didn't actually make the trip up. If you're if you're curious about some of the um, things that happened up in Berea today, go check out the timeline of Jared Mueller, another OBR writer. He'll be able to give you some really good insights about what he saw, what he took away from practice. He did a really nice job up there, unfortunately. Under the weather this morning, like I said, I was not able to go, but we will jump into all topics covered um, here here shortly as I'm joined by Doug Lamarise. And um, yeah, there's not a ton of takeaways from OTAs in the in the third week. You kind of you kind of know what they are at this point. We don't have the full team there. Obviously, Duke Johnson, Callaway, uh, Odell Beckham were not there again, amongst others. So I think everybody's tired of talking about it, but we will hash that out with Doug. But finally. Going into next week, we will be able to rid ourselves of the optional part of the season here. So it'll be good to get that part out of the way, get it where it's mandatory, everybody has to be there. We can stop asking questions about where guys are and start delving into the questions about on-field play that matters, such as Kyle Kalis, again, playing right guard, which we will again talk about later. Um, Gerald McCoy, just an update there, the Ravens. Sounded like uh, you guys have probably heard this, but the visit went really well, as you would expect. And then uh, it looks like he's going to visit Carolina this week, too. The Browns are staying in contact. Freddie Kitchen sounds like he's eager to get him here if they can. Seems to be a lot of confidence oozing out of the Browns' quarters on, um, you know, getting that player in the office, um, in the building, in the in the, in the the locker room, and, and getting him uh, a part of this Browns' front rotation. So it should be interesting to see whether they're able to do that. It should say a lot about where the Browns are. No need to panic if it doesn't come to fruition, but it would be a really nice luxury for the Browns to be able to add him. So we will chat about all things Week 3 OTAs, uh, amongst many other things with Doug Marie. So let's get over to our interview. Want more great NFL content? This is Kyle Madsen, co-host of the Candlestick Chronicles podcast. Check out my podcast and other NFL podcasts on the network by searching Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast players. All right, welcome back in. Uh, it's Jake Burns once again, joined by this time Doug Lamarise, Cleveland.com. Doug, how are you, buddy? I'm good, Jake. How are you, man? I'm good. You're making that familiar trek back down I-71. I uh, I couldn't make it up there because I had the flu today. Woke up miserable. Could not put that evil on the Browns media room, so I took one for the team. Caught a lot of flack. I'll have you know that. A lot of flack on Twitter. Well, uh, you deserve it, and just to taunt you, I just finished off the uh, Chick-fil-A that we were going to stop and get the other day. I did stop and get now. So take that, Jake Burns. 
I'm jealous. Chick-fil-A sounds delicious right yep. now. Um, well, let's let us let us get to it because we'll, we'll talk about what happened at OTAs. But I, I like I like gathering thoughts of people like yourself that I that I value your opinion on. Just sort of. Uh, dynamics of teams and players and things of that nature, having spent so much time around teams throughout your career, this OTA dilemma, and it's it's centered around Odell Beckham because he's the newest face in town and he's the big name in the NFL, and Cleveland has never really seen a player of his nature for a long time, at least, in their franchise. So he's not the only one who has missed OTA practices. I could go on and on about guys who have missed some, and Antonio Callaway started to add up some misses. Uh, Miles has missed a day or two. He has missed, Odell has missed nine out of ten of them. So you're there. Freddie gets asked a couple questions. I'm not sure you might have asked it. I, c- I couldn't tell. It's always hard to hear the questions being asked. But um, just sort of asked what you're looking forward to. And he said he's just looking forward to seeing him. Then he's asked sort of what did he miss. He missed a lot. Um, you know, it, it, did you come away from that question answer, Doug, which everybody's sort of running with and opinions are all over the map on. Did you come away with that thinking, Hey man, it sounds like Freddie's pissed off at Odell. No, I didn't, um, and I didn't ask it because I don't care. Uh, I, I don't think he's ticked at Odell, but of course, what answer is he supposed to give? Like he can't. He's a first-year head coach. He can't answer. I don't care, you know. And of course, he'd rather have him here, but. He's not gonna discipline, you know. Mike, he he can't discipline him. He's not gonna be, he's not gonna hold a grudge that he's not here. So I I, I just think it's one of those. Um, this is the Odell Beckham that they got. Super talented, the most talented receiver in recent Browns history, and it's not even close. And. There's a little bit of this, and if there wasn't a little bit of this, you would not have gotten Odell Beckham for 50 cents on the dollar in that trade they made. So Freddie handled it right. I don't care that Odell's not here, and I get it. I get people asking, but I, I just – it's with everything, Jake, I, here's my answer. Would you rather not have him? Yeah, no, uh, yeah. Because yeah. this is – this is the Odell that you got. You did not have the option of perfect attendant Odell. That Odell doesn't exist. So you can spend all day complaining about it and criticizing him for it, or you can take this Odell, who's going to have 1,500 receiving yards for the Browns this year, and move on. And I am stunned at how many people want to linger on this when I do not think it is going to cost the Browns, not alone a game, it's not going to cost them a single yard. They're not going to make one fewer first down in the fall because Odell Beckham wasn't here in May. That was long, Jake. I went too long. No, 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 no. That's a beautiful answer. I'm with you. I I, I get that there are people that see it on the other side. I, I try to recognize, like, all opinions on this stuff. But you got to look at, like, risk management. Is it worth this sort of thing? To me, OTAs have been sort of bargained into this situation where the guys who have their, their, I guess there are made men, air quotes there, have made the team, have felt like they're a star, have maybe earned that bigger contract. 
don't necessarily have to be at camp or sorry at, at OTAs. They bargain their way out of that to be voluntary. They don't lose any money. It can't be held against them. They can't be asked to be there. That makes sense to me. It is meant for you know they're going to be your, your quarterbacks are going to be there for the most part. Roethlisberger, Brady, some of those guys who have been doing it for a long time are missing a few things, but. For the most part, it's meant for like quarterbacks who are there because they're the leader of the team and it's a non-injury risk, and it's like guys who are trying to make the team or guys who haven't earned that second contract. So it's not a huge deal to me either. I get, I get it. Would I prefer that he shows up for those things? Sure. But in a tumultuous offseason where he gets traded unexpectedly after he had signed a big deal, I would have to think there's been some level of communication and some level of Freddie knowing when he was going to be there, when he wasn't, and they've had these conversations. So Freddie being asked, what about Odell? Are you excited? I'm just excited to see him. That makes sense to me. Like, I'm excited to get that guy out on the practice field, excited to be around him. I, I didn't take it, and I get, like, the Colin Cowherds and Dustin Fox and I had some back and forth on this. Like, I get that Freddie could be, he could be spun that way, but I think you're spinning it for confirmation bias one way or the other. So I don't know. One way or the other, to me, it felt like, just these are my candid answers. As Freddie has preached since he's been hired, I'm just a candid guy. I'm just going to answer you honestly. I'm never going to shoot you, you know, in different directions. And it just felt normal to me. Um, I didn't think out of the ordinary, but I, I'm just going to bury it. It doesn't matter anymore. Everything going forward does not involve OTAs. It involves requirements to be there. If this happens next week at this time, it's a different discussion. And I think that point, if he misses right. those, that's a fair conversation to have. We'll move on at that point. So let's bury it for now. Can I, can I, add, can I, add, can I add one thing before you bury it? And then we Absolutely. Can throw it in the oh. hole. So one thing is, I did think he had a little bit of an edge to his voice. So I do think, like, I do think he was a little, you know, he wishes he was here. But I think it's one of those where, like, you have that, you're a teacher and you have that kid in class who's, like, really smart and really charming but doesn't always listen to the rules. And in my head, it's one of those where, like, when Odell shows up on Tuesday, and it'll be like, Freddie will be like, hey, Odell, nice to see you again. And Odell will be like, oh, come on, Freddie, you mad at me? And Freddie will be like, man, you, you only showed up one out of ten? And Odell will be like, man, I had other stuff to do. And Freddie will be like, all right, get out of them. And, like, it's over, right? Like, yeah, Freddie wants him here. But here's the other thing. Does anybody know people in life who are exceptional at their jobs and are kind of a little bit jerky. Do we know any people like that in the world, in, in entertainment, in politics, in science, in your office, where the people who are really good kind of have a tood? Oh, you mean everybody in the world knows somebody like that? Guess what? It happens in the NFL, too. Sometimes the people who are really good know they're really good, and they think some of this stuff is BS and they're going to treat themselves differently, and if you don't like it, tough, because they're really good at their job. That's it. Okay, bury it. Yeah, no, it's buried. All of those are fair points, obviously. Um, yeah, any other OTA takeaways? I, I Like I said, I couldn't be there, so I didn't get there. I think we saw some more of the uh, Kyle Kalis at right guard. Am I right about that? Yes. Yeah, more of that, more of the same. And then them sort of trying to spin like, oh, well, on the days the media is not here, then Austin Corbett is the starting right guard. You just guys just happen to see basically three straight weeks of him getting moved out um, more and more. I think it matters. Again, you can't live in – you can't – you know, I, 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 think it, I think OTAs matter for Austin Corbett. I don't think they matter for Odell Beckham. 
let me know when Austin Corbett is an All-Pro, and then we can get back to that. But I think it does matter, and um, I don't think it's just them getting a guard some center reps. I think it, they're, they're denying that. But I, I think it's something, and it has continued at least every time we've seen it. And so that was another discussion today. Austin Corbett sort of joking about, oh, you know, people, my friends are asking me, oh, aren't you going to start? Like, listen, man, that's what we've seen. And the other four offensive linemen are out there with the ones every snap, and you're not. So we're not crazy. Yeah, I, I mean, to me, it's like we talk about Odell not missing a beat, whatever, whatever, because he's done this so long and been successful. Like, him missing OTAs is not going to hurt his production on Sundays when it matters. But I think if Austin Corbett is your right guard and he's having issues in the season, I think you could look back to, well, hey, Freddie, or whoever – why was Austin Corbett not getting all of those reps at that position in OTAs when he could get live reps? I think that does matter. And that's been my point when we've talked about this is a guy who's trying to learn a new position. I think people forget that for the most part, Corbett has never even played on the right side of the line. Like preseason last year, it was right. <coughs> excuse me. Preseason last year, it was him with at left guard while Betonio was working left tackle. So it's changed, and he's learning a new side of the offensive line in general. So you can spin it however you want, and that's fine. And I'm not trying to make a mountain out of a molehill, whatever that you know the idiom is there. But I think it's worth concern in terms of who's going to play right guard. And I've I've cut up all of the Kyle Kalis film from his time last year when he played in 2017 at uh, in Indianapolis. It's not encouraging. It's just genuinely not encouraging. Now that's not to say a guy can't get better. He spent some time with. Um, well, Charles Bentley at O-line performance stuff, he could have gotten better, and James Campen could see something in him you know, to make him a better player. But I, I, I don't know. Right guard to me in, a, in an area of, of offense that is, it is supposed to be pretty good, um, this entire group is, right guard is a big weakness, and I don't think with an interior team spending so much in, 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 in trying to get interior pressure, I don't think it's something you can just gloss over necessarily. Well, Baker just gets rid of the ball quick. Well, in this offense with – with what Todd Monken's bringing in, there's not necessarily always an element of getting rid of the ball quick. And as a quarterback, if you know, I got to get rid of the ball quick because I could have pressure because of something going on around me, that can become a problem. That can become a mental issue. So I don't think you can just gloss over it. That's just kind of where I'm at with it. I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it. Is that fair? You know, I think and like someone made the point today that at OTAs a year ago, Sean Coleman was the left tackle, right? And, and, and Sean Coleman was not the left tackle by opening day for the Browns. But why was that? Because Sean Coleman failed. Because they tried him at left tackle. He had the first shot at left tackle, and he failed. And then they moved on, and that's when they brought in Greg Robinson, and they wound up doing all the stuff you talked about, trying Batonio there, settling on Desmond Harrison. That's how that unfolded. So I, I think it is a fact. This is a fact right now. And maybe they're trying to poo-poo it, but this is a fact. They aren't sure that Austin Corbett is their best right guard. It doesn't mean he's not. It means he's maybe not. So they're trying stuff. And then, to your point, if the first pick of the second round in year two is maybe not your best right guard and maybe a guy who's kind of bounced around the league and doesn't look great on film, maybe he's better than Austin Corbett? That's probably not great. So that's all it is. They are not 100% certain he's the guy, and you wish they were 100% certain on that. 
I'm with you. I think it's an area of concern. They can downplay it. I was really surprised to sort of hear the, the like you said, that, well, you're not here and he's – it was just a progressive thing. Week one we went, he was playing right guard, and he was being rotated 60-40 there with Kalis. Then all of a sudden we go back, the linear progress right. is next week we go back, he's not even playing right guard because he's you know, probably essentially been beat out a little bit there in terms of what they're looking at. I don't know. It's early. Again, next yeah. week will tell a little bit early, more of a picture. Late late July and August will tell a more clear picture, but it's trends. We pay attention to pay attention to those trends. Any other things that jumped out to you today offensively, uh, that side of the football, anybody? Um, I, I think we, I, I honestly, I had some other stuff going on. I did not watch it practice as closely today as I did the, the two previous, uh, sessions that we got, but I will say, um, Stump Mitchell, the running backs coach was asked a lot about Dontrell Hilliard and he was talking about how Dontrell, a lot of talent, uh, he maybe hasn't put, put it all together yet, but he said that Freddie Kitchens, when Stump got here, Freddie Kitchens said like, we really like this kid. We want you to, to work with this kid. And talking about guys who aren't here, Stump Mitchell also said some really good stuff about Duke Johnson. But then he said that in the context of Duke Johnson not being here for OTAs has opened the door for Dontrell Hilliard to show some stuff. So you know Nick Chubb and, and, and Kareem Hunt, when he's back after the eight-game suspension, they're going to be your top two running backs. Um, it makes me curious how this Duke's – everybody's curious about Duke anyway. Um, but but that, I think, is more of a thing. Odell doesn't need to be here. Duke Johnson may be open to the door. Duke doesn't want to be here anyway, but he may be open to the door for a guy like Hilliard to come in and show he can do some of the same things that Duke can do. And uh, everybody has liked what they've seen so far from Hilliard. Yeah, and I think he started to get a chance there late in the year. I know when, they, when Freddie went to some three running back stuff there against Atlanta – he has been getting a chance. They need a kick return guy. I know they signed the uh, – you see, Sheehy Giuseppe. That's the toughest last name currently in football. Um, he uh, they, They've signed some guys. I, I'm interested to see how they do with this punt return, kick return stuff because I'm not entirely sure they want to run out uh, Callaway for punt return, so we'll see. A lot of unknowns at this point, Doug. I think that, I think that the debate on who should be there, OTA stuff's fascinating because – it just seems like Odell is getting more of this than I've seen other players across the league. And it's like, I get it. Rookie head coach, everything's new. They want you to be here. But I think there's some other dynamics that people don't pay attention to. So your insights are great on that, my man. Um, we'll pay attention. Corbett's the other fascinating thing, that right guard spot. Defensively, Jermaine Whitehead, we've noted, has uh, has, has been on the field a lot more than we anticipated. But no other real surprises on that side of the football. What do you think about Gerald McCoy? Do you think they need him? And do you think they get him? Uh, I was asking Freddie about this today. I mean, he got a very a lot of very specific um, questions about McCoy, but I was just sort of asking him about depth and whether he thought, you know, they played some of the defensive linemen too much last year. And we know Miles Garrett; they were leaning on Miles Garrett so so heavy, especially early in the year. Um, and I think, you know, Fre- Freddie sort of acknowledged this. I mean, it's like, hey, do you need more depth? He's like, well, of course, everybody wants more depth all the time. You idiot! You know, he didn't say you idiot, but it's like a it's an obvious point. But I do think that's where a lot of separating, you know, average teams from good teams, good teams from great teams, that's where you start to work it in in case guys get hurt. But also, you know, if you're rotating three guys for those two tackle spots and they're, they're all elite starting level guys, then he's talking about, you know, in, in the fourth quarter in a two-minute drive, maybe you get a sack and he's citing the numbers of if you get a sack on a, a two-minute 
two minute drill, you basically snuff out that drive. And that, you know, if, if your defensive linemen aren't as tired, you increase your chances of that. So I don't think it's desperate um, for, for Gerald McCoy. I think it would be a very nice bonus. And I think, you know, there are some places, I think they're looking for that depth, right, Jake, that like everywhere you go, you know, they said they want five corners. Do they have five corners yet? We're talking about Whitehead, some other guys at safety. They maybe are out of some depth at safety. Are you sure? Do you know for sure who your backup linebackers are if something happened to Schobert and Kirksey or you wanted to rest them a little bit? So I just think in the name of defensive depth, which is I think maybe going to be a dividing line of between a good team and a great I think he'd help that, but I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's the end of the world if he goes somewhere else. On the spot right now, do they sign him? Yes or no? Um, no. And I think everybody up there thinks yes. So I think I'm the outlier. It's like, I think everybody, I think Freddie thinks it, you know, I think everybody's getting the vibe, you know, like I think most other reporters would say yes. Um, I just think there's a little parochialism that like, you know, everybody in Baltimore is saying it's a great visit too. And I just wouldn't be surprised. You know, it's one of those things. Everybody feels really good about the Browns and where they're headed. Baltimore is a little bit more of an established franchise. And um, I think the Browns probably have a little more money to play with, but I just, I, it just feels like to me that, uh, you know, he's really keeping his options open. Again, I think most other people, most other media members would say, yeah, they think he's coming. So I definitely could be wrong, but I, but I just feel like people are, are leaning Cleveland because we're in Cleveland. And it just feels like to me that Baltimore might end up being a, a, a safer option maybe in his mind. Yep, fair enough. I uh, I can't argue it. I think that you have you've nailed that one because it is it is the positive vibe thing, and I, I it would be interesting. I I'm on the vote that I would just prefer if he doesn't go to Cleveland that he stays the heck away from Baltimore, maybe this Carolina visit or something like that. So, um, yeah, this was good, Doug. I appreciate it, man. You uh you drive safe, and thanks for joining us. All right, feel better, Jake. I'll see you soon. I appreciate it. All right, guys, we'll come back to you uh, with the training camp edition next week. I'll try to get a couple out. There's three successive days. Should be much more important than the stuff we're talking about right now because we get everybody there. If somebody is not there, like we said earlier, that will be newsworthy because it will take money out of their pocket. So, as always, guys, we appreciate all your reviews, all your subscriptions on iTunes. Those things mean a lot to me. Your feedback is always welcome. Until next week, we will jump back at you with a couple podcasts covering mandatory minicamp. Looking forward to no more OTA discussions. Thanks for listening, guys, and as usual, go Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.